Hello, hello, my lovely listeners. I'm back. It's Natalie Nat, Naturally Ryan. You know I go by all three. And welcome back to another episode of When Anxious Kids Grow Up, Where Do They Go? Um, today, I'm actually talking a lot about that transition from being a kid to being an adult and what it means to decide on a future career or decide on a college. Because right now, it's the end of college admission season. Like all of my friends have, they're, they're planning on what colleges they're going to. I, this morning, I had to talk to a financial aid advisor, which may have been the most awkward Zoom call of my entire life. And I'm just really thinking about like what it will mean to be an adult who also has an anxiety disorder if it was this hard being an, a child and an adolescent <laughs> with an anxiety disorder because um, it was already hard. I, I don't really want it to get harder, but it probably will. So I actually, I did a little, a tad bit of research and if you watch my stream, you can see me frantically Googling things, but I, I pulled up some articles on anxiety and like future planning and thinking about these bigger questions in life that I feel are really applicable to me. Uh, not just my experience with anxiety, but a lot of people that I've talked about or, and talked about and talked to with anxiety, they definitely, um, when they talk about their experience, it's definitely very reminiscent of these two things. So I wanted to talk about um, anxiety disorders in particular because it is what I do have a diagnosis with. And obviously my anxiety disorder does cause like depressive episodes or like things that are more similar to a manic episode. But I wouldn't 100% classify it as that and be confident in it because I haven't talked to a mental health professional and haven't like gotten that as a diagnosis. And I... I used to be, when I was 12, I was like, self-diagnosis is great. And now I'm 18 and I'm like, self-diagnosis is damaging to people who truly have mental illnesses because it is damaging. Just want to let everyone know that that's my stance. I work in a nonprofit mental health organization. Like I, I'm a little informed on this. So uh, because of that, I did pull up a couple articles that I wanted to just like give a brief rundown over and, and talk about how they kind of apply to these experiences. <sighs> All right. So the first things I want to talk about are college overall and like the general consensus that I hear for people planning for college. So with college planning, even for my friends who don't have anxiety disorders, it's like the most stressful time of the year. And it's awful because it lines up with like holidays like Thanksgiving and like winter holidays like Hanukkah and Christmas. Like it's all over that time and you really realistically need to start planning especially if you're going to like an ivy league or if you want to get into like a really competitive school you have to start planning in like september and if you don't well then too bad <laughs> you're just not gonna get in um i was actually originally planning last year was my senior year of high school and then i i'm going to be a freshman in college this year i took a gap year um but originally i was planning on going to the university of chicago or like other really big, like, like I was thinking about going to NYU, like I was planning and I was applying to all of these schools. And it was quite literally, without a doubt, the worst time of my whole high school experience. Like it was, it was so bad. And it was so bad because I had to like go around being super professional, asking teachers for letters of recommendation so that like I could get into the school. But then I also had to find my official transcripts for all the college credits I had taken. Like, I had to ask my parents about applying to these schools out of state and like I had to have these really hard talks and I had to think about how I was going to pay and obviously with the pandemic that put all those plans on hold. Uh, I am no longer, I'm not going to UChicago, I'm not going there, um, at least not right now. I really hope to go there for grad school but for right now I physically can't do that. So um, I'm not doing it. But 
I have really been thinking about what I want to do. And with the university I am going to, I, I love the university. It's fantastic. And they're offering me really great scholarships. So like, it's justifiable that I'm not going to an Ivy League if I'm getting as much financial support as I am. So with, um, with everything that's happening with the pandemic, there are still so many of my friends who are planning on applying to these really, really high level schools. Like they, they aren't taking a break. And obviously for me, it's justifiable to take a break because I have an autoimmune disease and I have an anxiety disorder. And so I should maybe be gentle with myself. It's, it's really weird thinking that I should take care of myself, but uh, I know that I should. And so because of that, I've always been very worried when they started telling me about how busy they were and like the college admissions they were going through because it all seemed so difficult and it all seemed so time consuming and stressful and just like generally bad, just generally so bad for, for their mental and emotional health. And I would always ask them, I'd say, okay, how are you? And they'd say, good. And I'd say, okay, well, how are you emotionally? Because then I'd usually get an honest answer. And the honest answer was that they were not doing too hot. And that just made me really upset. And I know that like thinking about these big questions in life, like what do you want to, what do you want to major in? What do you want to do with your life? What do you, what is your end goal with your degree? Like those are hard questions to answer. And I even have college professors now that I'm working with in my gap year who like tell me like, oh, I used to study Japanese language and then I didn't do anything with that degree, but I still have it because I love it. Or I hear people saying I knew exactly what I wanted to do and I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And so I went into a teaching degree, but then I was like, do I want to teach elementary school kids or college kids? Like, it seems like everyone's path is so very different. But when we are presented the idea of college, especially in America, it is almost seen as like a one size fits all or like you're going to go in there, you're going to know what you want to do immediately, you're going to declare your major and you're going to stick with it. And I know some colleges that my friends applied to that force you to pick your major and you can't change it. And maybe, maybe that's just scary to me because I'm very indecisive, but it's terrifying thinking that you get one shot to get it right. Well, I hate that. I hate that so much. <laughs> and it makes me it makes me like genuinely stressed thinking about that. So going on to what I really want to talk about, the other segments that I want to touch on are like, how do you balance these really stressful times, these really stressful course loads, making these really big decisions where whether you follow like the logical side of your head or like the, the actual passion in your heart. Um, and different types of anxiety that can play into that, especially if you have an anxiety disorder. Because for the longest time, I was told, like, I would be a really good STEM kid. And obviously, if I was a woman in science, um, like, there's a lot of scholarships there because the STEM field is still very male-dominated and it is very stressful to me. And I did, I did do a lot of STEM stuff in school. Like, I was in AP Physics. I did, like, I had super high-level math all four years. Like, I was always always really good at that stuff and I like did science classes every year that were like super hard like honors or, or AP like I was always working towards that I even took a science class for fun my senior year like I I love science I love the sciences and specifically the most the thing I'm most proud of is my um, involvement in a NASA camp that essentially there are only four states in the entire U.S. who offer it and you get like a, a certificate and like you have to plan a mission to Mars and it's super cool and you go to a NASA you go to a NASA um NASA research base and it's, it's rad. It's so cool. And when I was there, I realized that there were things I'd be really good at in the sciences. And for a long time, I wanted to go into mechanical engineering. And then I grew up and I was like, wow, I want to be happy when I'm older. So crazy. And I also realized that there were just things with the sciences that like I couldn't get behind. Because if you were working for the government, 
like there were times where you couldn't refuse a project even if you didn't agree with it ethically but then if you were in a private business a private industry there were times where you weren't informed on what you were working on or where the research would be used so again if you didn't like the ethics of it you just didn't get to know and i knew that i would always have moral conflicts about that and therefore i probably couldn't go into the sciences at least in the way that i was thinking because i would always have these sort of like things in my heart that would make me go Ugh, no not for me but then, on the other side of that, I also had teachers who told me if they found out I was doing a liberal arts degree, they would be so very disappointed in me. And that made me sad, because guess what? I'm doing a liberal arts degree. <laughs> and it's not just because, like, science is hard. Like, yes, science is hard, but guess what? I could be really good at doing the hard science. I did the hard science all four years of high school. I just want to have serotonin in my brain, and I want to not be talked down to by men, because that happened so very often in the sciences, and it was to the point where it was literally taking like a big toll on me and my thoughts and my opinions on myself, and I was like, this is so stupid, like I cannot justify a degree in this if I constantly hate myself. But then it comes down to like, especially when you're anxious and you, you are, are you're afraid of making mistakes. Um, thinking like I'm making I'm making a choice to focus on a degree that doesn't have like a set career path I'm focusing on a degree that doesn't have like necessarily a place to go or like it's going to be used in a way that I don't expect like and that's super scary about liberal arts but all of the things I wanted to study hell even psychology which is the science the study of human behavior is considered a liberal art so I was like that's stupid okay <laughs> I didn't pick psychology I was thinking about it, um, I've kept my options open because ultimately I would like to be a neurologist. And that's what I want to go to grad school for, is I want to do, I want to focus on neurology. And I can take a more STEM route with that if I decide later on that that's where I want to go. But for right now, I want to enjoy my undergraduate degree, especially if it's going to put me in debt. And it took me a long time to get comfortable with that thought. It took me so long. <laughs> so, uh, moving on from that, that was just a bit of background. But going on to what I want to talk about today, I want to talk about um, two types of anxiety. Existential anxiety and anticipatory anxiety. Now, because I was a STEM kid, um, I took all the AP classes I could, and even though AP Psych was considered a humanities and it wasn't considered a science, it was definitely a science. And I'm still mad about that if you couldn't tell by the saltiness in my voice. It's a science. <laughs> even though it has to do with humans, it's a science. So, um, what I wanted to talk about specifically was anticipatory anxiety and existential anxiety because I feel like they're two very big, big parts of anxiety disorders. Um, and they're not even really disorders, they're more so symptoms. But you can look at your anxiety and focus on that and say, oh, this is like kind of separate from my, my owning, my, my overall anxiety, um, my anxiety diagnosis. This is kind of like a branch of that. At least that's how I see it for myself. And when we talked about anxiety disorders in AP Psych, I didn't feel, obviously we had a lot of stuff to cover in the class, so I didn't feel we went as in-depth as we should have, and maybe that's just my personal bias from growing up with the disorder and wanting it to be talked about. I don't know. Um, but I wanted to talk about this because I feel like these are two types of anxiety that definitely play a role when trying to decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life, especially in college. So when we're thinking of anticipatory anxiety, it's not a singular diagnosis on its own. It, it, it is generally a symptom of a generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and that's what we have to remember. It's like a Russian nesting doll. Like this is one of the dolls inside and the biggest doll is generalized anxiety. So 
Other conditions can also have, the, you can have this fear of failure, you can have these, these anticipatory fears, but when we're talking about anxiety, it's not one diagnosis, it's inside the diagnosis. So, um, the most common way this manifests is in social anxiety, and social anxiety is something I've dealt with, but it's like an extreme fear of rejection and judgment from a social group. And I want to say that, and I want to say that very bluntly, because there are people who think, oh, I'm shy in public, I have social anxiety, I'm like, that's not... No, like, I get where you're seeing that, I get why you think that, but it's not that. It's not just being afraid, like, it is physically being unable to talk to other people. Having panic attacks in public because you are afraid to order your own food. It's that level of stuff. It's not being like, oh, I have to, like, warm up to a group. And I feel like because, um, on the internet, mental health education isn't necessarily always correct, and a lot of people, especially in like 2015 Tumblr, were self-diagnosing, myself included, because I was 12 and 13. I get where people come up with this misconception, but it's not true. And I just want to point that out. And that, when I say anticipatory anxiety and then say social anxiety is a form of it, people go, oh, that makes sense. Um, it can also be developed as specific phobias. So a lot of very specific phobias are like, if you have a really bad experience with dogs, like you had a dog that bit you and then you're afraid of dogs, you anticipate that anxiety when you know that there will be a dog in the vicinity you're in. And a lot of the times social anxiety also works the same way where you know like, oh, I'm going to be in this big group and then you start dreading it. And the way that this applies to college planning, at least for me, is I know because I have a huge fear of failure. Um, I do worry that my, with college planning, this sort of anxiety shows up because I have an extreme, extreme fear of failure that I wouldn't just classify as a fear of failure, but I would classify it as something that honestly feeds into my anxiety, something that is somewhat related to my anxiety. And because of that, I sit there and I, anticip I anticipate, I play the what-if game, and I think about all of these very bad things that could go wrong. Um, and so I see that anticipatory anxiety when I'm planning for college and when I'm planning for future careers. I think, well, if I commit to a music degree, like, what am I going to do if music fails? Like, if I don't become famous, what am I going to do? Or if I, don't, if I don't produce a really famous artist, what am I going to do? Thinking about all of those things that could go really, really wrong. And that's really awful, because that means that sometimes I get so paralyzed by the fear that I never even start. I have a whole list of things I want to cover, like songs that I want to cover, that I, I physically can't do it, <laughs> because I sit there and I panic about it. It's, it's really, really hard. It's really hard. And I notice a lot that, so the way that people cope with anxiety, especially with anticipatory anxiety, they always say, like, you have to take care of your physical needs, but generally anxiety is situated in a way where it makes it so difficult to do that. It makes it so difficult to deal with, with, like, trying to get enough sleep because you're sitting there, like, lying awake thinking about all the things that could go wrong. You can feel that physical tension in your shoulders and in your back, like, you can feel that pain. And those physical symptoms are so difficult to deal with because they feel so genuine and sometimes they feel unrelated to the anxiety. So you go, oh no, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Um, but that sleep deprivation can actually make the anticipatory anxiety worsen. It can make it so much worse. And generally, like, if you drink a lot of caffeine, I drink caffeine a lot. I drink coffee every day. I love coffee. I'm not cutting it out of my system, but I do have to be aware. Um, like in school, there would be days where I'd bring a 32 liter bottle of coffee, like water bottle full of coffee. And by second period, I would have drank like three quarters of it and I'd be shaking, physically shaking, 
And I would find that on those days where I felt like I was going to throw up from my caffeine intake, that I was the most anxious. So keep that in mind before you down a Red Bull. And also it talks about like doing physical activities to relieve symptoms, which can be great, except here's the, here's the thing. The time when I feel most motivated to exercise is really close to when I go to bed. And then I do that and then I'm like, well, now I can't sleep because I have this energy because I just did 40 squats. Like, what do you want me to do? Like what? I just did 25 push-ups, and now I can't sleep because I have energy. Okay, great. Um, so those physical needs are really rough to manage, especially in a time like this when you're applying for college and you're like so worried about these bigger, grander questions. Um, and another thing that anticipatory anxiety can really dictate is, according to healthline.com, which I read a lot, um, you have to think about how you talk to yourself and your anxiety. Because if you're mean to yourself, and if you're like thinking, oh, this is going to be so awful because I'm so stupid and I wasn't president that one year of that one club, then uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to get into college because of it. Uh, that can be, you know, that, that usually you're like poking the beast with a stick and you're just waiting for it to bite your head off. You actually have, have to actively, and this is so hard to do, but it's worked for me. And so I hope it works for someone who listens to this. You have to like, pick yourself up out of those negative thoughts and say, is this a genuine possibility? And if it is genuine possibility, how likely could it actually happen? And this is why I recommend everyone with an anxiety disorder takes a st uh, statistics class because I took a statistics class and I thought like, <laughs> I'll just run the numbers in my head and see like, how likely is it that I'm going to get hit by a car if I go on a drive today? Like that sort of stuff. I would just say that life hack. <laughs> Take a stats class. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Those are the those are the sorts of things I've noticed, and I think anticipatory anxiety is something that comes up not even just in people who have anxiety disorders. Obviously, it's way more common there, but I mean, like with college and with careers, it makes sense if you're worried about the future. The other thing I wanted to talk about is existential anxiety, and existential anxiety is something that I just recently learned about, but it makes so much sense. And I didn't know it was a uh, I didn't know it was a layer of anxiety that could exist until now. And I definitely think that I struggle with it. So existential anxiety is anxiety over the large questions in life. It can be like losing a loved one, thinking like what happens after death. It can be thinking about like what if I do something wrong and I end up like hating my job and hating my life. What if I don't live a life that's filling like why are we here? Uh, like it's that sort of stuff. And I used to joke with my family that like I would have a weekly um, existential crisis. And if you ever find yourself joking about a weekly existential crisis, maybe realize that that maybe realize that that you should be worried about making that joke. Um, all types of anxiety are very closely intertwined. So generally, like you can have anticipa anticipatory anxiety where you fear something coming up in the future, and then that leads you to a fear of death because you know that like ultimately we all die sort of thing. Um, and I've noticed this, especially when I was around college planning time, I would start with one thing where I'd be like, is this going to be a fulfilling major to take? And then I would think, oh, what jobs can I get out of it? And then I was like, oh, do I like any of those jobs? Oh, what if I hate all of those jobs? Oh, what if I hate my life? Oh, what if I, yeah, like it would just spiral down until I was ultimately like, nothing matters and life is meaningless. Which, if you ask me, genuinely as a human like right now where i'm not feeling anxious i don't believe that and i don't feel that i don't i don't agree with that 
But if you ask me when I'm in an anxiety spiral, if I'm in an existential crisis, I feel that so deeply that I just think that everything sucks. And I, I don't like being that way. I, it's not like a choice that I make to be that way. It just really hurts. So I think that these two types of anxiety need to be discussed more when talking about mental health among college students and like high school students. I think it should just be talked about more in general because existential anxiety and anticipatory anxiety, obviously anticipatory anxiety is probably more common um, as opposed to existential anxiety, but they're both very crucial elements to thinking about how you relate to the world and thinking about what worries you. Because I've noticed a lot, I've had to do a lot of like values exercises where I talk to my college about what matters to me. And I always come back to like three pretty centralized topics. And it comes back to like independence, authenticity, and creativity. And above all of these, I would say authenticity to me is the most important. Um, and I say that because I genuinely just want to be myself and be able to make a living doing what I love. Something that fulfills me, not fulfills other people, not fulfills members of my family, something that fulfills me. And I know that the careers that I would like to have are not easy ones to have. They're very difficult, but they are things that I want to do. They're things that I hope to achieve. And I know that those values are also very strictly intertwined with where my anxieties are because if I feel like I'm too dependent and I feel like I don't have my autonomy, I panic and then I try to push people away so that I can be more independent and focus on myself more. If I feel like I'm doing something for someone else, sometimes I, I put off I put off projects not realizing it. I procrastinate it because I think like I worry that I'm losing that sort of autonomy that I have. I worry that I'm becoming like someone else. And I know that those aren't good things to do. And even with creativity, sometimes I'll blow off like genuinely important assignments and wait till the last minute to do them in favor of making a video or writing a song or, or doing a painting. And I know that on the outside, that makes me look like lazy and unmotivated. I get that. It makes me look like I'm so scatterbrained and all over the place that I'm not necessarily trustworthy. I do end up getting everything done. It's just that those anxieties that make me think, am I living a life that's meaningful? Am I living a life that I want to? Those scare me so deeply that sometimes my panic just says, hey, we're painting for four hours. And I'm just like, all right, guess I don't have a say in that one. Um, I don't know. This is just something that definitely comes up a lot, especially in my discussions like with my mother where I'm like, hey, am I... Am Am I awful at making music? Am I, am I so bad? Am I so bad at, like, making videos? Because <laughs> I do go through these times where I, I just worry that I'm so awful and that's why I'm not seeing the success that I would expect. Because um, it seems like everyone who gets famous on the internet posts, like, this one video that is their claim to fame and then suddenly they have millions of subs. And I understand that that's not how that works. I get that. But it's also so jarring to me being a kid who grew up watching these people who found that viral fame so quickly and like knowing that I want to be that, but I might not ever be able to be that. And like maybe my journey's different. And I understand that, but also my anxiety tells me that I'm a bad person and a bad content creator and uh, essentially just a bad artist for not being able to amass that following in a day. Is that logical? Absolutely not. But that's the thing with an anxiety disorder. It's never logical. It looks at fears that could be that could be logical, that could be based in some truth, and that it distorts it through a funhouse mirror. And it says, "This is what the fear is now." Not very, not very cash money. Not very great. Very bad, personally, in my opinion. Zero out of five stars. Would not recommend. Give it a bad Yelp review. Let's get it out of here.
that's the energy I want us to keep taking into 2021. We're, we're not even two weeks in, and I've already lived through so many major historical events that I want to cry. <laughs> but you know what? I think we can do this. And I think it all starts with talking about the fact that we're all scared of the future, none of us know what we're doing, and that's okay. <laughs> so, yes. You know what? Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening in. If you're on the stream, love you. If you're listening in on the podcast, love you too. If you're one of my friends in real life, I love you and I miss you and I want to see you. If you're one of my friends from the internet, I really hope that we can meet when the pandemic can't kill me. Um, and if you're just a random person listening to me ramble, you know what? You're fantastic. And I hope you have a great day because you took, you took 25 minutes to listen to a random kid yell. And that random kid is very appreciative. So stay safe, uh, wash your hands, drink enough water, and I will catch you all in the next episode.